Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. Um, it's our roundtable show. This is episode 392. We do this every Friday at around 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. And you can watch us live on the WP Tonic Facebook page and comment on what we're commenting on. I always love reading your comments, listeners and viewers. So we've got a powerful panel. I think it's going to be an interesting discussion. We've got a special guest, Jason. Jason, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. I'm Jason Schuler. I have a long history with WordPress going back to 2007, uh, having built one of the first premium WordPress theme shops, which I sold in 2014, and just been keep playing with WordPress ever since and growing businesses on it. So, Oh, and thank you for agreeing to come on the show. Um, yeah. Are you... Have you got strong opinions, Jason? Uh, when it comes to WordPress, I do, yeah. Oh, well, you'll fit right in. <laughs> you'll, fit, you'll fit right in. And I've got Matt from the Matt Report. Matt, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Hey, Matt from the Matt Report. <laughs> Your fame exceeds you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly, I'm Sally Gash, oh, yeah. the WP fangirl. And... Uh, I also am the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California, uh, and we're still filling in um, speakers for the coming year. So if you live in the Bay Area or um, expect to visit here and have a WordPress topic you'd like to share with us, let me know. And I've got Spencer. Spencer, you'd like to introduce yourself? Yeah, Spencer Foreman from WPLaunchify.com. And I've got my friend, John. John, would you like to introduce yourself? John Locke from Locke Down Design and SEO. Right. You need to bun your volume up a little bit, John. Uh, it's probably right. my microphone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, that was interesting. <laughs> that was very interesting. All right. On to the first story. Um, WP Canvas release results on the Gergeberg Accessibility Audit. Right, Matt. What did you think of this one? No, of course, you came to me first. Um, <laughs> of course. I was feverishly going through this 34-page uh, executive summary. Um, you know, I, I honestly don't have too much to share because I haven't absorbed all of this stuff. I just quickly went down to the page 30, 27, 27, 28, 30, somewhere in the middle, right here in the middle, 25, and immediately just looked at the uh, issues by severity when 51% of the issues found are labeled medium. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's the half glass full, half glass empty kind of thing, but it just seems like there's a lot of problems still. Medium is pretty important, I would say. Certainly not low <laughs> uh, with 18% high. So still, I guess, lots of work to do. I want to definitely dive through this report uh, in detail more after this. What did you reckon, Jason? Well, it's just interesting to me that how quickly Gutenberg has become almost an industry standard right out of the gate without even having been, you know, gone through these checks and 
and double checks. Um, I was on a contract just uh, a couple months ago for a, a massive organization. And even with all the, the, the issues still with Gutenberg, it was, it was their go forward. It was a, it was a, we're not doing this unless it's Gutenberg. So it's, it's just, it's one of those WordPress things, right? It's, it's become industry standard, even, even without having gone through these checks and and it seems to be pushing through uh, regardless of, of all the bad news that it gets. So. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, it's a, it's a little bit outside. Um, I've got another little business that's in the real estate industry um, and um, it's website. Um, and there's a number of very large real estate um, related websites that are public facing have been sued have been sued at the present yeah. moment for accessibility problems. Right. Basically, there's about three major websites in the real estate industry that are facing um, they are actively being sued, and it's going through the courts at the present moment. So it is interesting. What are you reckon, Sally? Uh, I reckon it's a pity that we don't have Morton here with us, but that the fact the fact that the executive summary is thirty four pages, um, and, and you know the report is uh, more than three hundred, uh, does help to explain why a thorough accessibility test costs thirty thousand dollars, and that it was a you know a non trivial investment. Um, but the findings really show that, yeah, we needed to do this because all, you know, we need to know it's there before we can fix it. Right. Uh, I don't doubt that, you know, most, if not all of this will eventually be addressed. Uh, but, uh, you know, those can be some fairly serious consider- considerations if you are, you know, a university or a government office or somebody where you are really required to have your website accessible on, you know, on, on both sides to create it as well as, as to view it. Um, and <clears throat> so, you know, I'm glad this has been done now, even if it wasn't done before and it can help, you know, it, it should help people improve things. Yeah, what do you reckon, Spencer? Do you think there could be an issue with the code that it actually spews out not being accessible? But you could say that a lot about uh, all these page builders or anybody that hasn't got... Have, have you looked at the code that Gutenberg produces on the front end? No, I haven't. It's very clean. Oh, good. Thanks. It's very clean. You don't see all those funny HTML comments because they're comments. Um, <clears throat> and uh, you just you just see this nice, neat HTML without like 5,000 extra divs. Oh, great. Great. What do you reckon, Spencer? I'm pleasantly surprised that there wasn't a four-page summary of this report produced by Otto presented to the public, but rather we got the full 300 <laughs> which was nice. That will be nice to Otto. I'm going to have to get him on the show. We're nasty to Life me. not imitating art. But in, in so far as Gutenberg is concerned, I think Jason hits the nail on the head that this was a hop on the train or don't situation for just about everybody. And the problem that I see, aside from the actual people with disabilities on the front end that need the accessibility, is on the user experience, even for regular people, I still find that the back end is a bit shocking. I feel the capacity is there, but when I go to that page, 
I feel like when I first handed my mom a remote control from Comcast <laughs> that had 180 buttons, and I'm like, where's the, where's the revision thing again? It's, oh, it's over there. It, it, they, they took something that you knew where everything was, and they just jumbled it up and just threw it randomly anywhere. And I think that the accessibility for me has personally and my clients more to do with the user backend experience as much as it does with whether you can see the fonts and so forth. So I believe that that will be fixed, but I think that's part of the, you know, you got on the train and you realized they didn't bring any food and water for the passengers. So it's going to be a long trip until we get to the next station. It is interesting on the back end, even, even for folks who aren't, uh, you know, have accessibility issues with, with reading the screen and, and finding buttons. I mean, Gutenberg hides a lot of functionality via hover states. And right. so a lot or of those hover buttons, yeah, yeah those hover buttons. So oh. completely invisible, uh, almost to the, to the naked eye before you actually move your cursor and hover over them to edit something. I, I want to mention something about that because as a get cogity old 52 year old who has teenage kids, <laughs> I appreciate how things like Snapchat. Right, we're, we're just going to rename this the get off my lawn. Uh, <laughs> you would have gotten away with it too. Um, the gestures, the hidden gesture concept from mobile devices that seems pervasive, you know, for younger people, they just intuitively get it because they heard about it in school. But the idea that everything is not patently obvious. It's, it's, it's not intuitive if they get it because they heard about it or saw someone do it. My point is living in the cave by myself here. If it doesn't exist in an open way or it's not clear that there's a parent menu, I, I just grew up in the Braille school of web use where the idea that I have to press a cogwheel to open a window and then snap down and move my page to the left to see the thing that used to be obvious is part of where the frustration to me. And there is a quote in here, it's a Gutenberg's user experience um, is consistently poor. I think that would be a fair way to phrase what I feel about, which is it's slowing me down significantly more than it probably could be if somebody spent a weekend just reorganizing the menu layout to be more obvious. What do you reckon, John? I'm going to tell a story really quick. The first WordCamp I ever went to was San Francisco 2014. And one of the talks that really stood out to me was a talk by uh, Joe O'Connor, a.k.a. Accessible Joe. And at that time, uh, WordPress, he highlighted how it was being used by people with motor disabilities and, and cognitive disabilities, people who are blind, who are blogging, people who couldn't type um, or, or could only access a keyboard very slowly. We're using uh, WordPress to, you know, actually democratize publishing. And I think it's a little sad for me to see how accessibility was an afterthought uh, in this. Uh, hopefully they, uh, as Gutenberg goes forward and um, uh, value is increased for shareholders, that it, it will be brought more to the forefront. Uh, because as Sally mentioned, there are a lot of uh, organizations in the enterprise, in government, in education that cannot use uh, a CMS that is not accessible. So hopefully it becomes more of a priority. Oh, that's great. Right, on to the next story. Creative Commons launches a search engine 
out of beta with over 300 million image indexed. It almost took as long as Gutenberg, though, almost two years. There we go. Our, um, well, the, the, the beta one has been around for, for a while, but yes, um, now we just need to like give it some publicity uh, because there are a terrifying number of people out there who still think it's perfectly fine to use any image you find anywhere on the internet for anything. Well, Google thinks that way, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, yes, but I I, uh, I had a client who's a young, naive intern. I got them uh, hit up with an $800 fine by Getty Images. Oh, they, 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 it's been years since I've got one of those nice letters. I look forward, uh, you know, whenever you do a project and you get a Getty letter. It's just fantastic, isn't it? What do you reckon, Matt? What do you reckon about this one? I can't wait for a plugin to integrate this into posting. Maybe a Gutenberg block. <laughs> it's a great opportunity, isn't it, Matt? Start, start building it now. There's one called Instant Images that I use quite often. Is uh, it? I think, yeah, I think it's there for this. like it's, an Unsplash one. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 yeah the Unsplash. Instant Images pulls from Unsplash. I don't know if it pulls from anything else. That's pretty cool. I like it. It's fun. That's what Is I got. It? All right, there we go. Here's the man a few words. Right, there we go. Jason, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think the popularity of Unsplash, you know, speaks for itself and and the Creative Commons search engine will do the same for folks who want maybe not so professionalized images, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's, so, that's very <laughs> different. I'm really, I'm really impressed. So yeah, God, you're going to have to come back on the show. You're showing, you're showing levels. Oh, you're showing levels of diplomacy. Like oh, gosh. <laughs> Somebody made a wonderful comment I heard on a, 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 a TED Talk podcast the other day about, uh, you know, uh, st- stock photos of women jumping in heels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just can't see using all the, the images of cats, right? Uh, I'm on a professional site that I'm going to be <laughs> well, <laughs> in front know, of my- <laughs> For your clients, I think be good pictures the best cats, thing Jason. is for them to actually hire photographers yeah. and take pictures of their actual people doing their actual jobs. Right. But, uh, you know, for, for a lot of people, uh, I think it is useful and, you know, it's helpful if you want things to use as placeholders, if you've got a personal <clears throat> blog. Uh, yeah, the, the search term computer on the search engine versus Unsplash. <laughs> Yeah. Some pretty pretty stark differences um, in quality, say the least. Yeah, but it always makes me it always makes me laugh when you talk to a client and they say, "Oh, can I have to actually buy photos? I just can't, <laughs> can't just take them off the internet." Which I can't blame them because let's face it, that's it's been the business business one of the main business models of Google since the beginning of it. You know, rip off other people's copyright and give it to other people for free. Really, isn't it? You know, but then you got the Getty, you got the other extreme. You know, the, those cockroaches Getty. You know that made made a business model of suing people. Um, um, you know, uh, um, they're lovely people. Yes, although even the Getty does. Uh, provide a fair number of images free. There's a ton of mu- images from museums that are available for, for to use for free. Would you really use anything from Getty? Because uh, uh, I don't know. Well, obviously, you, I, I mostly uh, don't spend that much when I buy stock photos. Thank you very much. But um, I, 
<laughs> I would completely, uh, you know, use some of their uh, some of their images of, of their museum collections for personal use. Right. What do you I'm reckon? I'm a museum John? junkie. Oh, okay. John, uh, what do you reckon? No, I think this is great. I, I think there is confusion sometimes. I haven't had clients like recently um, that have had this kind of notion that you can just grab any image off the internet and use it. Uh, most of the time I handle that on, on our end. To answer your question, Jonathan, yes. Uh, occasionally I will use uh, Getty Images or iStock. Uh, it's good for, for single projects to just... Uh, yeah, get a package for a month and, and get some uh, different images than the ones on Pexels and Unsplash and uh, Stock Snap. But yeah. There you go. What do you reckon, Uncle, Uncle Spencer? What do you reckon? I mean, Creative Commons serves a great purpose, but I would think, you know, Jason said it really well. <laughs> it's like, I can't conceive of a situation other than as a placeholder for somebody or to demonstrate what not to do photographically that anybody would use any of these images for any purpose. Even the search capabilities, I mean, I just typed my own name and it came up with like an extraordinary non-match. Whereas if you go to one of the sites that has a vested interest in the quality of the images, I particularly like Unsplash and Pexels, um, you get stuff that's really usable. And although some of it is overdone because you see it 8 billion places, there's plenty of stuff out there that makes it commercially reasonable to use any of those. So this is just an enigma. This is like looking at the Wayback Machine as far as I'm concerned or, you know, for amusement. But I can't imagine why the search engine has much of an effect for, you know, business purposes. All right, on to the next story. Uh, an analysis of 18,087 WordPress plugins. What did you reckon about this one, John? You're going to put me on the spot. I didn't read this one. Can oh, I, I for a minute? There you, go. You, get a, you get a B minus for that. This hope my oh. guest was more. Did you read this, beloved guest, Jason? I, I'm going to have to pass on this one too. I didn't get to this one. <laughs> All right. Did anybody read this? Or was your, yeah, good. All right. Yes. Go well, uh, point number one, it isn't an analysis. No, it, it isn't. Totally. Any conclusions. What, they, what it is, is we have collected a bunch of data on these plugins. Uh, we, we have not sat down to think about what, if anything, it means. So you, it's sort of like, well, we now have some information from from which the rest of us could make some analyses, uh, uh, which may be useful. Well, I like to defend myself. The reason, obviously, it was a it was a plug. For, you know, he was doing some research to find out, you know, what plugin he should build first. But then he then he was he, had, he passed on some comments that that we've been consistently saying about, you know, to actually find something in the plugin, you know library, depository, whatever you want to call it, uh, um, is, isn't that particularly um, fantastic. And that's been ongoing. Um, yeah, well, it probably still uh, uses WordPress search. That, that might be why. Exactly. I, I just wondered why they don't bloody sort it out, for God's sake of it. What do you reckon, Spencer? That's, it's because, it's you know, certain people are, uh, that Spencer is dearly fond of her. Are it's Otto, people. it's Otto, isn't it? You know, it's Otto again. He just won't do it, will we? You know, what, what this reveals to me, first of all, hats off to the author who did this, because this demonstrates something that we used to do in the old days uh, when you could only get to a platform through a rudimentary API. That is, 
that it is apparently possible to scrape the data, which I think opens up the possibility that somebody who has, let's say, not necessarily plug-in authoring interests in mind, but has other kinds of services related to this, could make a business out of. Coming to mind is like Built With, which is a company that just scrapes all the, the websites in the world and then comes up with information that is bought by businesses who need to know, I need leads about who uses BB Press and so forth. So the idea that this can be scraped is intriguing to my sort of entrepreneurial, you know, back of my mind idea. The second thing is, I think it's evidence for the bet that I still have on the table for 2019, which is that there is a trend of WordPress is a platform for building essentially, you know, e-commerce membership, marketing automation sites. And if you look at all the plugins, there's a pattern there, which is the plugins are all related essentially to those things or to making those things better. And even the accessory plugins that are in there, things like limit login attempts, are essentially related to limitations of the current WordPress core that probably could uh, be. Isn't the entire point of plugins that they uh, overcome? The these? difference I'm saying is if you were looking at a meal at a restaurant, okay, and they said to you, here's your meal, right? It's got an entree pre-cooked. It's got a side. It's got a dessert. It's, got, it's like, here, buy the meal. If they said to you, well, we'll just bring you a cart of groceries that you can just put everything together yourself, it's not a restaurant experience. I'm saying that for most users of WordPress, we're reaching the point where they really don't need or want to browse through 185,000 plugins to figure out what to use. They just want, which is the thing to do here? And if WordPress or Automatic was seriously looking at this, as maybe other entrepreneurs are, I think that's ultimately the way that this thing moves into the next century. Squarespace has an open market where people can sell their tchotchkes and services, but they're all for sale. WordPress has a sort of free or buyer thing, but yet I think people really still want that experience like Squarespace where most of the stuff is here and then I know somebody is going to you know, do the thing for me. The second takeaway was that when you look at some of these, or maybe the third, some of these are amusing to me. For example, although I think Gutenberg is here to stay, we've all gotten on that train. <laughs> Gutenberg, 200,000 active installations. Disable Gutenberg, 200,000 active installations. Well, yes, except that, that these days you would only have Gutenberg activated if you wanted the beta features. Since the Gutenberg it's just, is... It's, like, it's sort of like yes. you know, vasectomy. Undo your vasectomy. I mean, which one is it? You know. Well, slightly yeah, exactly, which one is it? Well, thanks for transitioning me after that one. Um, <laughs> yes, I think that might be blushing. Yeah. So, no, I mean, the, the author actually sent me this uh, before he finished it. Uh, I've talked to him before in the past. He's, he's written some pretty good articles. And, I, and I, it's not, it, he doesn't draw a conclusion. It's just a, th- a thought piece is the way that I look at it. A lot of interesting information. Um, you know, I think it started for him anyway about like how how big software is getting, like in terms of storing software on a server, uh, how big these plugin files are getting, that kind of thing. Um, and it's, it was quite telling to just see how, just how big the ecosystem is, but how big plugins are getting and all that fun stuff. Um, it, it's good information. It's good food for thought. It's crazy to see. Like you draw the correlations between like Elementor in terms of like plugins with the highest ratings, but also plugins with the most open issues or open support threads, uh, 300, 381 compared to the next one, that's 115. So it's, you know, nearly doubling uh, that support. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of interesting just factoids in here, but I, you know, I agree with Spencer that 
I don't think we'll ever see it a true marketplace on WordPress.org. I think what we're seeing it is through Gutenberg and it's going to be a marketplace just for automatic where, you know, when you launch a page, it's going to be like, Hey, don't forget this premium block that you can slide in. And if you want this premium block, you activate Jetpack premium, whatever. Uh, and uh, I, again, I agree with Spencer. I think we're moving in a direction where in about two years time, when you go to wordpress.org, it's going to be download open source WordPress, try this free version of WordPress powered by Jetpack and then buy this premium version of WordPress. Yeah, it was, it was interesting having been in the theme business, you know, and, and being in the theme business since 2007. There was this massive shift of, you know, the theme uh, sold you on, on what the theme did and, and plugins were kind of uh, superfluous on the side if you wanted to add a little bit of functionality. But there was this shift, I want to say, around 2010-ish where themes became a little less important and plugins started kind of rising in the ranks of, of being the thing to, to build your business on WordPress. And definitely through 2014, when I sold my theme business, I mean, plugins were the thing to do. If you wanted to build a business on WordPress and sell something on WordPress, it was via plugin, not via theme anymore. And so it, it's, it seems only natural to me that this is kind of taking place, this, this massive hype over plugins and Gutenberg and Gutenberg blocks. It's definitely the future of WordPress, I think. And there's a shortage of good themes. Right. And I think the issue, especially back around the time that you cited uh, to, again, your Mark Spencer's favorite person in the world, getting themes through around that time and maybe even still today, I was doing themes back then, and it was extremely difficult to get themes through the review process. Yeah. Um, and you get these, you know, these random reasons why your your name is is too vague, denied, and then it's like back to the bottom of the list. Yeah. Wait for three thousand people to clear through, you know, and you're just like, man, I'm just here to pick up a pound of turkey and some American cheese. <laughs> like, I'm just here with my ticket, trying to get through. Yeah. Your um your sound's breaking up a little bit, Matt. I, I think it's it's a bit like you've got loose USB cables, I Um right. What do you what did you reckon, John? Right. So a couple of things that were interesting. Um this is all the plugins that were released in the last thirty-six months, so the last three years. Uh, as was pointed out, the classic editor plugin is the most popular. Uh, but I noticed a lot of Elementor. Uh, plugins. Uh, Elementor itself is is number two. And then there's some add-ons for Elementor that are uh, insanely popular on this list. So I think that kind of tells uh, something about maybe maybe Gutenberg should copy Elementor because people seem to be finding that uh, useful to them. The only other stat that really jumps out at me is almost 20% of these plugins have never been updated. So in, in, of all the plugins, the most popular plugins released in the last uh, three years, one-fifth of them have never been updated. That's a little troubling. Yeah, and then you've had this spate of security issues that kind of rears its head periodically. That's been prevalent over the past couple months, and then that seems to come and go, doesn't it, John? Right. I mean, and if you look back, you know, four or five years, um, it wasn't pip dig or, you know, uh, mining Bitcoin on your server. It was a revolution slider with their 
um, you know, uh, vulnerability that they didn't disclose for eight months. So yeah, let's, not talk, let's not talk about Tim Thumb and all of those. Tim Thumb. Yep. Mm-hmm, yep. Themes on Theme Forest. Yeah, I hoped we had moved away, but it, that kind of seems to have... But it was a kind of different... Security is a perpetual issue when you write code, you know. And, yeah. yeah, but the, the, the it's a kind of different taste, isn't it? It was a kind of... It was more... I'm looking for the right word, more devious this time than last time, really, wasn't it? When when actually... People, well, in, in most cases, people don't put insecure code out deliberately. No, it was... Am I right about that, Matt? It was a slightly different flavor of devious. You mean the recent issue? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's slightly different, but... No. You can say I'm talking shit if you want to, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Don't hold back. (laughs) We're friends here, Matt. You can say, oh, that that was crap. Right, let's go, Rob. (laughs) Let's... Go for our break, and um, when we come back, I've got a couple of good stories. I think they're good stories. I tried by on a quiet week, listeners and viewers. I tried to find stuff that was entertaining. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. Matt's trying to find an, another cable because you're still yeah. you're still buzzing away, Matt, a little bit. Is, uh, is, uh, it, is it a constant buzz? Is that what we have? It's static. Yeah. It's, it's, it's static. static. Buzz. Buzz. Uh, um, we're coming back, folks. But before we go into our next couple of great stories, I like to mention one of my great sponsors of the show, and that would be WP Fusion. What is WP Fusion? Well, in your technology stack, obviously you've got WordPress. We should have WordPress, but in your it's two thousand nineteen, folks. So you're into marketing optimization, and that's with all your great CRMs like Active Campaign, Drip. There's a whole host of them, and what WP Fusion does it enables. WordPress with your CRM to communicate flawlessly. And if you've got a membership site, a learning management system, WooCommerce, anything that um, you're consistently having to market, up, updates, upgrades, whatever you wish, WP Fusion is the tool for you. If you're a developer, power client, go to WP, WP Fusion. And the other great news is as exclusively for WP Tonic, you're going to get 25%. So if you use this coupon code, WP Tonic, or uppercase, you'll get 25% of any of WP Fusion's packages. And that's only offered to you listeners and viewers. We've got Matt's heart rate going. He's scrambling around trying to find something. Um, but hopefully he will succeed. He was sounding a bit guarded. Garlicly. Uh, um, so, on to the next story. On to the next story. Um, are podcasts killing music or just wasting our time? Well, it's wasting enough of my bloody time, I can tell you that there. Um, 
Did you read? Did you manage to read this one, Jason? At all? Yeah, I read this. I, I'm a big podcast guy, so. Oh, thank you, Jason. <laughs> my own personal. Do you listen to Do you listen to my podcast? I don't listen to podcasts that have anything to do with the industry I'm in. Interestingly <laughs> enough, they're so tactful. <laughs> tactful. Right. You know, you just kind of get you kind of get burnt out sometimes on on listening to to things that are that are in relation to what you do for a living. So I try to subscribe to things that are, I don't know, mostly educational, but sometimes entertaining. Um, but um, I'm not, I don't think that podcasts are killing music. I think that podcasts are bringing people back to a time where, you know, there, there wasn't television and there is this, this, um, this moment where you would sit around the speaker and there is this voice coming through and you can use your imagination a little bit more and, there's something to a podcast that kind of elevates you on that level. And for me, especially, I feel like I can consume these, these podcasts and little bits throughout the day in places where maybe I used to listen to music, but now I'm kind of filling that time with podcasts because I feel like it's, it's adding a little bit more value to my life um, on the day to day, I guess. So like even when I'm running or exercising, I'm usually listening to a podcast versus music these days. So I guess in that way, maybe it is killing music. It all sounds very healthy in Seattle. All this running and bicycling and it's all very healthy sounding. There we go. Um, Sally, you know, what what you... I think this is kind of a... I mean, it's an interesting take because pretty much everything that he says is it could be applied equally to talk radio it's sort of like well look if you if listening to music is what you really like to do you're probably going to listen to music and maybe it will be spotify or pandora instead of your cd collection or the you know radio that's coming over the airwaves um calling it terrestrial just seems wrong somehow uh 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 um, there's a few people that say I'm terrestrial. Uh, and yeah, well, I don't know. I may be extraterrestrial, but um, and no one's revealed it to me. Uh, but in in any case, where's the cat? If you, I don't know. I'm sitting in the. Sun. We need to liven this up. Matt's uh, getting restless and bored. And, uh, yes, uh, Jason does. Jason's got that look. What the hell am I doing here? Uh, um, so we I'm need. Not, to, not sure why. ADD you're desperate as a broadcaster, you need. You need kids or cats, mate. Uh, but, uh, seriously, um, you know, I think if what you want to listen to is talk of some kind, you're going to listen to it. And it, it might have been the AM radio stations, uh, you know, before we had uh, podcasts or uh, satellite radio or any of those things. Uh, and uh, so, you know, before podcasts became available, I was mostly listening to audio tapes from the teaching company. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a different kind of thing. Like when you want to listen to music, you listen to music. Now, are there a bunch of crappy, dull podcasts out there? Sure. Uh, there's a bunch of that uh, everywhere. But um, it just seems like he's setting up a straw figure to knock down. Well, it's really interesting, really, about alternative media because I kind of also link it to the growth of YouTube branding, you know, on the political, sorry to introduce politics, folks, I apologise, but on the progressive side of politics, you know, you've got Jimmy Dole, you've got the Young Turks, you know, and the same thing on the right side of the political um, spectrum, you've got... um, 
you know, people building up brands and loyalty in alternative media. And that seems to be, the traction seems to be taken off to some extent. Um, what do you reckon, John? Sorry, Ed, unmute. Um, <clears throat> I think the author is talking about podcasting here um, and saying that there's, it's, you're building stuff out of sounds. And a lot of podcasts are, are almost like the smooth jazz equivalent of a sonic presentation. Uh, speaking of what you know, some people have said previously here, um, podcasting is not really a um, type of broadcast, but it's a platform for doing all different types of things. So it could be talk shows like what this is. Um, <clears throat> it could be entertainment. Um, like something like This American Life or um, Serial or something like that. But there's all different ways in which to approach it. And I think uh, it, it is kind of the modern radio. Um, it, that's really where it comes from. Uh, the author mentions a, a piece in here called uh, <clears throat> Ways of Hearing. I'd like to check that out some more because that sounds pretty interesting i don't think podcasts are killing music i think they're two separate types of things yeah. so. well i'm used to the bbc jack and nori and yeah. woman's hour uh i'm on radio four which is always used to listen to woman's hour there we go so uh matt you know you've been kind of mixing your podcasting with a lot of video um first of all you know you've been getting into video a lot more but also doing your podcasting um do you think you mix the both up successfully or, you know? No. <laughs> no. 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 Yeah. No. So, so on the, on this article side, um, I'm seeing a lot more people on friends that I know on Facebook who have never listened to podcasts before now finally getting into podcasts, which I think is maybe a little bit of, of what this article has to do with it. And I like that. I mean, obviously as a podcaster, uh, it's, it's interesting to see. Um, but uh, I've been spending my time creating a local podcast as well, like a local entrepreneurship podcast for my area. And I've seen that grow, you know, much faster and have a lot more impact in the short amount of its life time than, you know, my traditional podcasting or even spending time on YouTube kind of thing. So that is kind of exciting that, that people do want this kind of content and they're finally getting what a podcast is. You know, you might as well, you might as well have said RSS feed to them like three years ago. They'd be like, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm thinking, I've got to tell you, I'm thinking because I get most of my income from not my local area now, um, I'm thinking of it's payback time. I'm going to do a, a Facebook political show about Nevada politics. I'll probably get assassinated if I do it, actually. Because uh, <laughs> I know some Barely dirt. crucified. I know where the dirt is, see. So, uh, um, so. We, need we need you here. You know, don't. <laughs> no, you don't really on. believe that, Matt, do you? Uh, um, so, there we go. Um, Spencer, what did you think? I'm really surprised. I mean, I think it's tongue in cheek, but I'm really surprised that anybody is concerned that there's a competition between music and podcasts, considering there's about 800 trillion things to consume at any one moment. I think my biggest issue is 
the old, you know, eight million things and nothing is on, you know, I mean, just bouncing around. I will say one thing, uh, the thing I'm going to share is my, whatever, you know, tip of the day is this coughativity. I will say that for me, that I've found, whether it be the podcasts or talk shows or music, that there's certain things that will or will not allow me to work. So I can't listen to some kinds of music that I prefer when I'm bike riding, whereas I can do them while I'm working. And that, that's something that to me is the useful reason. Even if a podcast has good content, sometimes it's just very soothing to hear people's voices in the background, not really listening to what they're saying. Is, is my voice soothing, Spencer? I think if I had a pillow and a blanket, there are some shows maybe like today <laughs> that I could take a nap. I think I think Matt finds it soothing because he doesn't <laughs> most of the time he's going to go to sleep. Some, when he joins us. But there we go. But there we go. Those are for exercise, <laughs> and some shows are for napping. But whichever one you choose, the point I think is my that. show's definitely for napping, isn't it? I, I, I only want to make a side comment, which has nothing to do with the content. It has to do with, I think one of the things I'm noticing, and maybe you guys agree, when it comes to the web pages and it comes to podcasts in particular, not so much with music. We've accepted that with the music, you're going to pay somebody to get the music, right? I mean, I finally gave in the YouTube, whatever, and I had Spotify and all these other stuff. I accept that. But now in the podcast realm, there are certain podcasters, I will not name their names, but you probably know them yourself, where they are so horrible at doing their ads and the way they do it that it almost destroys your ability to listen to the show. It's either the wrong place, the wrong time. It's too clunky. They're trying to be something. So so basically you're saying their podcasts are like pretty much every single news site on the planet? (laughs) Well, look at the news. Well, but different because here's why. Like with a professional news site, you just know they're going to jam the commercial block in and it's like, go to the bathroom or go get something. It's just when podcasters do it, there's no really definitive rule yet. So some of them do it very gracefully. Oh, I, I meant trying to read anything on a website. Yeah, I mean, of course. But like, Putting it back to the top so you can see the flipping ad. And it's like, no, bye. Well, if you look at, for example, I, I appreciate, although I don't necessarily enjoy their content as much, but like Tim Ferriss, at least, you know Tim Ferriss has nine minutes of commercials at the beginning of a show. So you just hit the button 22 times before you get on your bike and you know the rest of it is good. Uh, Andrew Warner, who I appreciate his content, is still struggling to figure out what the hell to do. And it's random and he tries to make it into some kind of colloquial thing and I've emailed him directly. I'm like, just knock it off. Just do the commercial. What do you think about building a website? Would you build it on HostGator? No. No, Let's talk about it. I was got him on the show, actually. I was talking (laughs) to um, um, Spencer gave me the name of a producer. Um, but, and he was having a conversation, and, he, and then he said, "I'm suddenly I'm going to he's going to Europe." So that, I took that as a, as a no, he's not coming on your show. <laughs> well, you see on the websites with like, for example, the web pages thing. I use sometimes I use Apple News, and it has good stories that refer you to a website like the Washington Post or something. What I find disturbing today is they haven't figured their shit out either, because we're seeing it even now. I use ad blocker, but like, I'm not going to pay the Washington Post a dollar to read your janky article when if I wanted to know that, I'll just copy the title and it's free. Like, just knock it off. If you can't aggregate it as to something that's part of my subscription. You haven't got a there that bought their paper, have they? You know? I'm happy to pay you the money, but make the payment predictable. It's like nobody's dropping nickels and quarters. That idea came and went. It's just... 
Those are the things I notice about the consumption part of this, which is to say, I think we're living in a world of abundance of content because there's no barriers to production. Anybody could be a professional producer of. Well, I'll put audio. enough shit up on on iTunes. There we go. Uh, so there we go. Uh, um, on to the next one. On to the next one. Uh, oh, well, the cat's appeared. We oh come on. Uh, We'll get the show back. The upseed Joe, so the numbers increase tremendously when we have cats on the show. Uh, um, so, uh, on to the next one. Yeah, we've got time. Um, it's a story from Brian Jackson. Yes, I know they sponsor the show, but he just writes good stuff, Brian. Um, and he's a friend of the show. And it's B2 versus B2C market. Understanding... The differences is key. I love this article. What did you think of it, Matt? Please say you read it. No, you didn't, did you? I don't read any. I don't. I don't read anything from a hosting company that starts with K. Um, <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> you wanted me to get. You wanted me to be real. Um, no, no, it's it's good. It was a good piece. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. B two B, B two C differences outlined. Infographics. What more could you ask for? Ah, oh, you've been awful today. You've been naughty, but God, God bless you. You are the king of WordPress podcasting. So there we go. Ah, uh, Rob, you naughty man. Uh, Rob, well, you, you do know something about selling, whether or not. That's why I was asking. You know, that's why I was asking you first. No, well, you're not going to contribute, right? There you go. So if you like, uh, Rob, um, Spencer, what did you think of this one? I, you know, you get a lot of articles from Kinsta. I know Brian's a good guy, but like we have a lot of articles. That, that's, my comment is like every show has got a Kinsta article. So I know where you're starting. Every show, not every bloody show. And there's nothing wrong with this article, but the only takeaway, you can just go right to the bottom. And I have an opinion, which is he's factually correct. But I say, who cares? Because in my mind, the difference in the WordPress ecosystem between B2B and B2C is, are you selling to somebody that doesn't know what they're doing or are you selling to somebody that's running a business? They're both B2C at some point, which is he's agreeing with, but it's not like a traditional sales cycle. And I don't know anybody that's taking a year to figure out whether or not the client's project's going to go ahead. I mean, the sales cycle on this is like this long or this long. And ta-da. I mean, so I don't yeah, know. I what the, you know, myself. It was, it was a weak story. Um, Week, but oh, the reason why I chose because um, this idea that they they look at all the facts and the return and that I don't I agree with um, Brian was saying that half of it's still emotional. It's still if they really feel a relationship with all the- relationships. Everything is relationships. Yeah, Even not, not to mention the part that's political, which you aren't necessarily, you know, is, is the internal politics of who in the organization wants this service provider versus that service provider. Yeah, I'm dealing well, with well, that. I'm dealing with that at the present moment, actually. What Jonathan, we work together on a project, and we both know that even when you have a corporate environment, and there's other corporate clients we've discussed, that you're dealing with a point person who then is working with you in a relationship to help you figure out what to say and how to say it so the morons above them don't make the bad decision. That's essentially the politics, which is Sally's point. And that's the, all relationships all the time, because... Life and business are the same. It's just about relationships. The idea of sales cycle and blah, 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 that's when you've literally got a, you know, a seven, eight-figure, nine-figure company selling to another company. 
that's different. Like $10,000. Oh, to reduce what I say as much as possible because uh, on reflection, I've, I, there's some, someone coming to mind now. I've got a cold sweat. I don't know if old Matt report, Matt um, agrees to this one, but I'm getting cold sweats already thinking about this. The amount of bloody deals that I've pissed up, Matt, because I kept talking and I just shut up and let, let, let them buy, you know. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, I mean, it, it happens. You know, sometimes you can ramble on on a sales call, especially especially in this day and age, if you're not doing like a video conference and it's just a, a conference call, it's easy to fall into that. You know, but it's it's you try to just be as short and sweet as possible and say, hey, that's what I got. That's the price. What do you this think? This is what I got. This is what yep. I got. Bye, bye. What do, go. you reckon, what do you reckon, Jason? I'm going to have to agree with Spencer on every point he made there. I don't think I could, could have said it more eloquently. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to go, we're going to go for <laughs> products, services. Mine isn't. Mine isn't um, Kinster, by the way. Um, it's a book, and it's called The Patterning Instinct by Jeremy Lent. It's an interesting read, actually. Um, I listened to it on audiobook, and it, it's about the new society that, that is coming. Uh, I look forward to it, you know, but I'll be dead before it comes, but there we go. Um, Spencer, have you got a product or service that you'd like to tell the, the beloved listeners and viewers? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with one of the things that I use when I'm in the mood to really get in the zone is coughativity.com. It's a service that's free. It's a lot like things you can get elsewhere, but it essentially allows you for free to choose one of three coffee shop environments to listen to in the background. And I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, no, in all seriousness, I mean, I know friends who listen to trance music and stuff like that. And it's blah, 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 blah. This is just like is if you had your head down in a Starbucks and it's that chinkity chink and that murmur sound. Mm. It just gets you in the zone. And if you're doing creative work or copywriting, it seems like that's, other than maybe some classic jazz, that's the only thing I can do because otherwise the words from the music get in my head. So, Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say about that. All right, um, Sally, do anything to share with the listeners of yours? Uh, uh, there's a train going by in the background. Can you all hear it? Um, yes, um, a thing to share, number one, backups and testing them. Uh, I, I recently uh, got some data retrieved from the drive that, that failed in, in November when I found out that even though I could see file synchronizations happening every day, there was a shed load of really important stuff that was not getting backed up. Oh, dear. Um, and drive savers is amazing, but they cost bank. Um, but uh, a recommendation in, in addition to that, I have just ordered a book called Programmed Inequality, How Britain Discarded Women Technologists and Lost Its Edge in Computing. Uh, and I had to like order it rather than just download it because it doesn't come as a regular ebook. It's got lots of pictures. Um, and uh, I am in interested in this because there was, as people probably, everybody in this room now knows, a, a you know, major transition from having lots and lots and lots of women programming computers to having almost none. Uh, and this is not necessarily an improvement. No, I, I totally agree with you. Jason, have you got something to share with the listeners and viewers? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been reading this book by Paul Jarvis called Company of One, and it's it's kind of centric around this idea that growth maybe isn't the best idea for a lot of businesses and how avoiding growth can actually be more 
durable, sustainable, and enjoyable, uh, depending on the type of person and the type of business you're running. And it just kind of hit true for me and, and what I was doing with my business back in the day. And uh, yeah, great book. Yeah, can you put the, a link to it into sure. chat for us? That's great. Um, John, have you got something to share with the listeners of yours? <clears throat> yeah, and I don't know if I shared this like a month ago, but I'm going to share it again and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, my friend Tim Smith, um, notable designer, he is kickstarting a project called Boca, which is an, it's going to be a um, picture sharing app. Uh, he's looking for... $10,000 for this Kickstarter uh, to build an iOS app. But basically what it's going to be is a place where you can share your photos uh, privately. Um, it's an alternative to Instagram and Facebook. It's going to be um, $3 a month or $30 a year. I think the Kickstarter levels are $10, uh, $20, and then $1,000 will be like a lifetime uh, you'll have it for the entire lifetime. But this is a project that I can get behind. It's kind of similar to uh, Errol Balkin's uh, indie phone uh, that was aimed at privacy uh, a couple of years ago. So I definitely urge you to check it out, boca.pix. That's great. And Matt, have you got something for the listeners of yours? Uh, by the way, that does look like a great project. I am excited to see more privately owned photo sharing services. Looks very interesting. But what I have to share today is I love when Automatic builds a product other than WordPress and Jetpack. And one of the things that I've got my sights on is happy.tools. Uh, I did interview the lead uh, developer on that episode coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, but they're going to be really expanding that suite of tools for uh, remote workers, remote distributed offices and stuff like that. Right now, happy.tools is just like a, um, <clears throat> a way for folks to manage time across many team members and assign tasks in an eloquent way. But they're going to be expanding it pretty uh, broadly uh, coming soon. So keep an eye on that. I do love a good automatic product. Like I love Simple Note. Great product. WordPress? Mm -hmm. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> It's all it's all Otto's fault. Uh, right. <laughs> Poor Otto. All right then. Um Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh if you're interested in membership, marketing automation, e-commerce, you want to talk to a real person for free, you can reach us at wplaunchify.com. Oh, that's great. Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? I am at Sally Getch on Twitter, and you can find me at WPFangirl.com. And our beloved guest, Jason, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to and your thoughts? Yeah, Twitter's the best way. Jason Patrick, C-K-S-C, -C, Jason Patrick S-C. And the uh, latest project is leaflets.com. I'm building single-page page websites there uh, using WordPress as a back end, but you'll never see it on the front end, which is awesome. All right. Um, and what, what, tell us more about it. What's it aimed at? So it's aimed at um, single page uh, kind of landing pages. So a lot of people who have newsletters or maybe they're trying to do a fundraise for a product or maybe they just want a profile for their, for their uh, Instagram or YouTube account. So there's a lot of use cases for just having a single page website. And so what I've done is I've taken WordPress 
and use it as the backend platform to build an entirely new front-end experience for creating a website. So if you go on leaflets, you can actually create a page and manage that entire page via a, a custom front-end experience, and then you can publish it on your own domain. So it's kind of cool. Oh, great. All right. Um, John, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at my website, which is Lockdown SEO. Also look for me on YouTube, hashtag Lockdown SEO, publishing videos daily. That's great. And Matt, how can people find out more about you, your thoughts, and what you're up to? Matterport.com and Pagely.com. That's great. Pagely. It's fantastic, folks. Great. Great hosting. They are the oldest sponsor of my WordPress meetup. Well, good. That's great. I've got nothing against Pagely. If they ever want to sponsor my show, they can always contact me. They know where to get me. They're wiser. They probably... (laughs) 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 All right, folks. Uh, It's been a... I think it's been a good show. We've covered a lot of territory. We'll see you next week where we have another great panel and we'll be discussing WordPress and the web in general for that week. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.